Hello, my name is Brian W. Foster, and thank you for joining us. On this episode, I sit down for a maple bourbon sour with the lovely and talented Laura Bailey. We discuss her theater background, acting and directing voiceover at a young age, becoming a mother, and so much more on this episode of Between the Sheets. Enjoy. Laura, cheers. Maple bourbon sour. Heck yeah, man. It's delicious. Mmm. My mom starts <laughs> drinking these about 8 a.m. That's strong. It's pretty strong. It's good yeah. though. It's got a little, it's kind of like a whiskey sour, but with um, bourbon? I don't know. Oh, this is, yeah. How did we decide on this drink? I used to make these for you years ago. In I remember New that. York City. New York New City. York. This stuff's made in. <laughs> Where did you grow up? Born and raised. Born, born in Mississippi. Mmm. Yeah, my dad was in the Air Force. Yeah. So we traveled around a lot. So I was born in Mississippi. Then, then we moved to Oklahoma. Then we moved to San Antonio. Then we moved to North Texas. And that was all before I was like six years old. Yeah, military family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then once I was in North Texas, we moved, I don't know, like five times before I was in high school. Wow. Yeah, so. Was that hard to make friends or to have, feel like you had, you were grounded or had consistency? Yeah, no, it was weird because like at one school I would be cool and then at the next school I would be a total loser. Yeah. So it kind of balanced. Just because of the way you acted or? Because I was a total loser. No, just because like different schools, like different things were cool and mm -hmm. you know. Some and you're in different parts of the country where different well, stuff Well, no, this is... was all in North Texas. So it was literally oh. from like one school in Allen, Texas to another elementary school in Allen, Texas. Wow. And like the kids just were different. Because you have a sister. I do. Older or younger? She's older. She's, she's three great. years older. Yeah. Jenny, she's amazing. Did she... Who just, who just texted me the other day and she was like, I've become addicted to Critical Role. Really? I know. And I'm like... Whoa. Wow. It's close. What was the pushing point for her to finally uh, join the... Well, no, we we always wanted to play Dungeons & Dragons when we were kids, but we just could never get a hold of it. Like, just wasn't available to us. What do you mean? Uh, you know, like... You didn't know anybody that played? Yeah, we didn't like, know anybody that played, and then... The you? Yeah, and then, you know. Yeah. So, she ran a comic book store for a while, so she had kids that came in the store that would play, and stuff, and she always wanted to, and she still hasn't! About what age were you when you started to get into drama and theater? And oh, was that gosh. not until high school or was that younger? No, I tried out for stuff in middle school. So how old are you in middle school? Well, I was 19. Yeah. So, so I don't know. You're a bad judge. Yeah, I'm not. Um, probably like what? Like 12? Is yeah, that how like old you are? Yeah, 11, 12 years old. Yeah. I tried out. I was incredibly shy because we moved around a lot, you know? Um, so I tried out for... Romeo and Juliet in middle school? Because, you know, middle school should do Shakespeare. Yeah, um, of course. And Accessible. I was terrible. Like, I talked so quiet that the teacher couldn't hear me, like, from the stage to her seat in the front row. And I couldn't talk any louder than that. Do you think your shyness, you said it comes from, you know, moving a bunch and everything. Yeah. It's hard to picture you as a shy <laughs> individual. Not but I'm still, like, think about it when I'm at parties or something. Yeah, you're pretty quiet. I'm pretty quiet. Yeah, you're not the most... Outgoing, but right. if you strike up a conversation with you, then you're sure, very yeah. conversational. Yeah, I'm the find the the dog 
in the corner and yeah, sit yeah, and yeah. pet the dog the entire time. Yeah. But you usually end up just talking to me the entire time. Mm, Same difference. Yeah. We both pee on the floor. <laughs> so how'd you overcome the shyness? Uh, you know, I think, so I started going to a youth group um, when I was a freshman. Like a church youth group? A thing? church youth yeah, group. Yeah, yeah. Um, because up until that point, I was like super, like even during school lunch, I wouldn't eat in the cafeteria. I was so like awkward in the cafeteria. I hated finding the table. So I would always just like, I was part of the science lab team. So I would eat in the science lab. Oh. And um, one of my friends who also ate in the science lab, she was like, I have this youth group that I go to, but I am i don't really know anybody. and." Um, it kind of makes me uncomfortable when I'm there. So I said I would go with her so that she wouldn't be alone. And then um, both of us just kind of became friends with the rest of the, the group. And it really brought both of our personalities out a lot. You think that made a difference in it being easier for you to make friends? Yeah. Just getting Huge. a little bit Well, because, you know, you go to the church youth group and, like, it's the cool kids mixed in with the not-so-cool kids, you know. And then you feel a little more comfortable and realize that everybody's just the same. Yeah. In high school, did you give it another try, acting and doing theater? And yeah, stuff? so I After was doing you sort of, you know, came out of your shell a little bit more. I was doing choir because you can kind of hide with that, and um, we did a yearly musical, and we were doing My Fair Lady. Oh. And so I was auditioning for it, and I was a freshman, and at my school you couldn't get a lead part if you were a freshman. Yeah, mine too. But the girl, there was a senior that got the lead of Eliza came up to me afterwards and she was like, you should audition for theater because I think you're really good. I watched your audition and she's like, if I had my choice, you would be my understudy. I think you're really great. And it was like, I idolized this girl. I thought she was amazing. Her name was Ellie. And I just thought she was the best actress and the best singer. And so I went and auditioned for the, the next theater production that they had. And that's when I started doing theater. You got the part. I don't remember if I got the part, but I just loved theater after yeah. that. And I started taking theater classes in addition to just choir classes. When did you figure out that you liked singing? Oh, I was in choir as soon as I could, so probably like when I was 10 or mm. 11 or something like that. You enjoyed it? it yeah, I loved like music class and everything. Were you always singing along with, you know? Who didn't like music when they were a kid? I mean, Disney, come on. Yeah. I would sing along with Ariel all the time. Do you like musicals more, or did you like just straight acting, theater stuff? Because obviously uh, you love singing, but... I do. Mixing the two of those... Um, I didn't do a lot of musicals in college. I did more just straight-up theater. Um, yeah, I got, I got shy again singing. I don't remember what point that hit, and I like convinced myself that I couldn't actually sing. And it's taken a long time to kind of remind myself that, oh, yeah, I can do that again. What happened there? You just got in your own head? Yeah, I just got nervous. I still get nervous. Like, whenever I have to sing for anything when I'm on a mic, you know, and you're in the booth and there's all these people out there staring at you, I get really, like, Ugh. And now I just try to fake it that I feel confident and, like, hopefully they believe it. Does singing feel more vulnerable to you than yes. just acting? Oh my gosh, yes. Because if you're if you're acting, you can hide behind the other a character, character but and their, you know, voice and their mannerisms, but right. if you're singing even in character and even in a musical, it's really you. It it's, is. It's, and you're putting yourself out there and, you know, your voice cracks. You can't you know, if if you're doing a play and you stumble on a line, you can play that off, but if you stumble in 
the song, you can't really... You have to start it all over. Yeah, you just stop the whole production and tell them to start the song over. That's yeah. usually what you do, right? Yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> it's the least intrusive way to interrupt it. My... It's okay. Sorry about that. It just sounds like... We're making music a metronome. here. We're making music yeah. here now, yeah. Second half of this will be you singing. Great, I can't wait. I have a whole list of things I want to hear oh, you sing. It's going to be the best. When then did you go, okay, this acting thing, this, I, I'm really passionate about this, this is something that I want to pursue. Oh, God. Was there a moment for you? No, there was, there was a moment. There was a moment, and it's like the most stupid moment. Tell me. Okay. So, <clears throat> I was doing theater, but I was sure I still wanted to be a biologist. I was studying science and everything like that. Science lab, science as nerd. I told you. Yeah. And um, I was watching this. So I never watched the show. I haven't seen a, an episode mm -hmm. of Dawson's Creek. <laughs> oh, Dawson's Creek. Yeah, yeah. I, I haven't seen it. A timeless classic. Yes. But I was home and I was watching a behind-the-scenes thing. For some reason, it was on TV. And Katie Holmes was being interviewed. And she was my age at the time, you mm -hmm. know? She still is probably Wait, my age. Wait, she, she changed the Crazy. Ages. I don't know how that works. But she was uh, in high school, and she was talking about how she auditioned for the show, but... Um, she almost didn't take the part because she was doing a play in school and she would have let her whole production at school down. So, um, and it, she just seemed so much like a normal person as mm. she was talking about all of these things. And it was the first time that I realized, oh my God, you can actually pursue this as a career and just be human doing it. And, yeah. and so I turned off the program as soon as it was done and I called up my mom and I was like, I want to be an actress. Like, I, I never realized I could actually do that. I, I want to be an actor. And she's like, Laura, you can't be an actor. I'm like, I'm going to do it. And I went to school the next day and I talked to my theater director and she also said that you should probably finish school before you decide you're going to do it. But it, it didn't seem like Katie Holmes hadn't done that. That were, didn't make sense to me. Were you going to drop out? No, no, no. But okay. I just wanted to like, I was like, how do I get an agent? How do I, who do I talk to to make this happen? And You immediately wanted to I immediately it. wanted to pursue it. Wow. Just like a, a light switched on in my head. What were the reasons why your mom was reluctant? Was your dad reluctant too? Oh, or both of it? them. My, my, like the first thing I ever really pursued professionally was Funimation, right? It was yeah. when I started doing mm -hmm. uh, anime. And my audition for that was, so the way Dallas is set up, you know, I lived in Allen mm -hmm. and the audition was in Fort Worth. So that's, you know, like a 45 hour drive. And my mom was like, Laura, you don't, you don't want to audition for this show. You don't want to audition for this anime thing. She's like, your commitment is to college, to school, and that's just a distraction. Um, and I was like, no, no, I really want to do it. So I went and auditioned and got the part, and then after a year of doing it, then my mom was like, and I had to reapply for my college classes. Mm -hmm. My mom was like, Laura, your first commitment is to Funimation. <laughs> you should really put this Holy college thing at just switch. a total switch because she realized, oh, it's a, actually a profession. You can do this. Was there anything she saw in how much you enjoyed it or took to it that you think changed her mind? I think when she realized you can get paid. Yeah, like, you could actually make a living. Because nobody, from that. Yeah, like up until that point, especially in Allen, Texas, nobody thinks like you can actually make a career out of acting. Acting. Yeah. So how old were you when you got that first Funimation part? Then? I had just graduated high school, so I was wow. 18. And then you went on to do a lot of work with them. Yeah. Well, I stayed with, yeah, the whole time I was in Texas, I was working at Funimation, and um, I just looked straight at the camera. Hi. Now that's just heart music. 
That's all that happens. It's just, I'm muted. It's just heart music is, is going right now. Uh, um, what was I saying? So you got that first gig at Funimation. Yes. And then went to college. I Yeah, I was doing it at the same time. At the same time. You know, it's funny because I had a, a recording session for Dragon Ball Z. And uh, Barry, oh God, what's his name? Alan. He was... What? Sanders. Barry Sanders. Barry Allen know. actually sounded really familiar, but I, that's not it, is no. it? Anyway. That's the flash. He was oh, he was one of the executives at Funimation. He was like one of the guys in charge, like the own the company. Mm-hmm. And I had a session and I didn't go to my recording session because I had a college orientation that I had to go oh, to. And boy. so totally last minute, I was like, no, I can't make it to the session. And I went to the college orientation set. And I got a phone call from like the president of Funimation afterwards. And he called me and he said, Laura, this isn't a college class. This is a production. This is a professional environment. And you can't just Play not show up. Yeah. If you make, if you schedule a session, you have to show up to it. And that was like when I realized, oh, I need to maybe stop going to school if it gets in the way. So I kept missing class to go to my recording sessions. And finally, my, my film teacher in college just said, Laura, just stop coming to class. So you never graduated college? I didn't. She said, stop coming to class because this is what you're coming to school for and you're already doing it, so just go do it. Any regrets at all about that? Obviously, nah. you've become extremely successful by doing voiceover and acting. Right. No, you I don't. You didn't need the rest of that college, really, in order to become a successful person. Right, and I'm, I totally get it for people that want to do it. Yeah. I, I think it's a fluke that it worked out for me, yeah. you know, because I... I support going to school and going to college and everything like that. But but how many people land a, a first-time role sort of straight out of high school right. like that, though? Right. Thank you, Katie Holmes. Thanks, Katie Holmes. You did it. I mean, Katie Holmes. How fucking weird is that? Have you ever met her? No. If you ever meet her, you have to tell her that story. She would be like, get the fuck away from me. Who are you? But most people say Maybe she wouldn't. Maybe she's really nice. <laughs> I don't know. She's probably really nice. So then you end up directing some stuff for Funimation, too. I did. Too. Look at you. Yeah, I did. I directed. How was that experience for you? Did it was you, great. Did you take to it naturally? I Yeah. Well, I, I directed shows that I was already working a on. A part of. Yeah, so I kind of like took over directing. I directed Gunslinger Girl, and mm-hmm. I directed Kodacha. Um, I can't remember what else I directed. Some other stuff. And were you college age-ish when you were already directing Early stuff 20s. there? Early, Early 20s. Early 20s? Yeah. I, I directed up until the point that I came out to California. Mm. That's when I stopped. Did you have a hard time being taken seriously? I actually w- produced over at Funimation, too. Yeah. I became a line producer. Produced, directed, mm-hmm. starred? <laughs> Did you have trouble with anybody taking you seriously? seriously or respecting you because you were young and yeah, doing Yeah, one of my, my first recording sessions uh, that I was directing, I had an older gentleman that came in and... He was not having it. He just thought it was so dumb that I was directing him. Which, I mean, I totally get. If it looked like some like little high school kid was directing me, I'd be like, well, what are you talking about, man? Yeah. I've been doing this since you were in the womb. <laughs> yeah. You know. And did you win him over? No, I'm sure I did, and I'm sure he was still annoyed when he left. But What was the fa- your favorite show that you ended up doing out of all those great Funimation? My favorite? Yeah, what, what was the one that really oh. lived with you and you think about it to this day? Because that was really the 
I mean, that was the launching pad for your career, but it was also the launching pad for a lot of people in the voiceover world that, yeah. that, that you know and that are now in L.A. working. So many people came from... Started out there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a great... It's uh, Anime is so much harder than anybody gives it credit for. Mm. It is... We call it voice acting boot camp. Why? Because it's so much more work than doing, like, Western animation, you know... Here you get the script and you go in a room and, I mean, you get the script ahead of time, you get to look at it, you get to look at your beats and, and work off of other people and it's huge. And you're like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and in, in anime you just are in a room by yourself and you're watching a video and you don't get to um, decide where you want the character to go. You're, you're taking something that's already been built and breaking it back down and then trying to put it back together. How do you find making creative choices with something that has so many, you know... Limitations? Limitations on it and boundaries. Because I, you have lip flaps, you have, right. you know... Um, I, I enjoy the challenge. It's actually really fun for me to do anime because um, it's it can be so hard to give a believable performance when you have, you're have stuck to certain mm. timings. Yeah. Um, and I, I really enjoy that. Yeah. Yeah. Who were some of the people that you looked up to um, when you were starting out? Well, Chris Sabat was the first yeah. person that gave me um, a job, mm. and he's so welcoming and hilarious, and made me so comfortable there. Uh, still so, friends with him to this day. Still friends with he was in our yeah. wedding. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Who else? Um, just Chris. Just Chris. He's loving this right now. Yeah, right. Chris, Chris, Chris. He just feels so validated. Uh, Colleen. Yeah. Clinton Beard, who was my roommate for a while. Yeah. Um, and I actually got her. Started at Funimation, but then she just like took off directing way before me. Do you still she's, take credit for her? Career? I, I com- take complete credit. You for should. Her. No, she's so talented. We did a play together, and that's how we met. You did a play together when you were in college. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah, I did a play with her. That's how we met, and then she was like, "Wait, what do you do? Can you get me in the door? Awesome." Really? Yeah. Once the dropout of college thing happened. And then you started, you know, or quit, whatever. <laughs> it just kind of away. like melted away. It, just it wasn't sort of, like it was. A, it was a dissolve. It really was. It was a dissolve. Yeah. I missed. I didn't. I by the end, I wasn't taking any real classes. It was only theater mm-hmm. and like music classes, and then that sort of dissolved as well. What were you interested in outside of acting? Because you love fantasy novels. You yeah. love a lot of nerdy stuff. You talked about being in the science program. Yes. That what? and writing. I did and a lot writing, of, like creative writing and stuff. What kind of stuff did you like to write? Like... Fan fiction? Yeah, fan fiction. Slash fiction. Yeah. Um, no, just, you know, normal. I didn't... Oh, God, I did make up a fantasy story now that I think about it. What was it about? Oh, my God. Do you have it still? I don't know. Maybe somewhere. But I realized, like, I gave up on it because I realized it was turning into... It sounded like a, a game guide, you know, when you're playing a computer game. It's like, walk over this direction and then look at the door and... <laughs> Yeah, so First I gave up on the fantasy, book. It was terrible. Fantasy. It was about fiction. a girl named Eleanor, mm-hmm. who was a princess, and she escaped. It sounds a lot like Disenchanted. Now that I think about it, do you want to sue them? Oh my gosh! <laughs> uh, no, and she comes across like she meets a, a dragon or some shit. What was attractive to you about doing science at a young age and exploring that stuff? I just thought it was amazing that we're made up of tiny little cells and how they worked and come together and it was just so crazy to me that everything was made up of the same things. 
sometime during those Funimation days, yeah. years, you got a call from Travis Willingham, who saw your name in the Dragon Ball Z credits. Yeah. And you guys had dated briefly. We had not dated by this point. Oh, by this point you hadn't. Okay. Right. So at this point, he was just a dude that I. He knew. just knew you. Yeah. yeah, he was just a dude you knew. Yeah. So he calls you and says, "Hey, I saw your name on Dragon yeah. Ball Z. I'm obsessed with Dragon Ball Z. Mm-hmm. Can you get me a job?" Yeah. What was your response to that? It's like, yeah, yeah, I totally can. And then did you? I just forgot. I just kept forgetting. For what two years? A long time. <laughs> I know, I, I realized I told this story about how I got Colleen in the door, like, and then yep. I forgot, yeah, Travis, uh, he's so good. Mm. I really should have introduced him earlier, when but I didn't know When he finally came him. in, you went, man, we could have used this guy two Shit. years ago. Yeah, he's pretty talented. So then... There were so many people, that's the thing, like, Funimation in Dallas was, like, the cool thing to do, right? So. Yeah. Any job that I worked on, there were always people there like, I can do a little kid voice, I can do this voice, can you just get me in the door? And you just kind of stop paying attention to it. At what point did other stuff start to come in as a result of what you were doing at Funimation? Enough to where you decided, okay, it's time for me to try and move to LA to pursue this. Actually, what I was doing at Funimation is not the reason I ever moved out to L.A. Okay. Um, I was doing a lot of on-camera work outside of Funimation. Yeah. Um, and I had done <laughs> big stuff, a Lifetime movie. Mm-hmm. And was that the one based on the Staircase murders? Why, yes, it is, Brian. Okay, I saw that movie. Super talented in that, in my, like, three scenes. Um, I saw the Staircase documentary. The it's one, really the interesting. The one from years ago, yeah, not the yeah. new one that Netflix put on, but I saw that years ago, and I went on a deep Google dive, yeah. uh, reading all about what had happened and everything, and I come across a picture of you <laughs> with this, you know, short, yeah. weird haircut, and there's no that's way weird. that's Laura. It was you. Yeah. What did you enjoy better, doing the... Voice acting, directing, producing at Funimation, or did did on camera stuff sort of pull you in a different direction? I in Dallas, I really thought I wanted to do more on camera. That mm. same at that same time, I did a film that went to Sundance that year, and it was you know really well received and everything. And that was all at the same time. So I was like, ah, oh, this is my sign. I'm going to go out to LA and have a film career. That's when you decided, really. Yeah, um, and then once I got to LA, realized how much more voiceover there is here than there was in Dallas. Because in Dallas, you know, Funimation is the the place to be. That's yeah. where you do it. And you go in every day, and it's like a, an office environment, right? Um, and here, everything records at different studios. Mm-hmm. It's constantly changing up. And you don't get the same, like, pigeonhole that you do. Like, when you get to know people for years and years and years, you're with them for a decade, you kind of go, this is a role for so-and-so. This is a role for Laura. This is a role for Brian. Um where when I came out here, nobody had that anymore. It was all open again. So So then you had to really audition yeah. like crazy to I get the parts. I had to prove it, you know, in order to get anything. And it, it opened up the doors in my brain again to voice acting and realized how much I loved it again. So Was it hard for you finding success in, in Dallas in that, you know, even if the pond was smaller, you were able to tackle a lot of different creative things at once at right. a super young age. Was yeah. it hard to come out here and then be like a smaller fish in a huger pond? 
Oh yeah, yeah. I one of the first jobs I ever did out here was with Liam, directing me. Really? Yeah. What was it? Uh, I can't remember. It was for an anime. Yeah. Um, but I would probably remember if he hadn't just like gone, uh, just Walla, because <laughs> he was like he didn't know what I could do, and he's like, I'm not gonna trust you to play this part, so I'm just gonna give you like background characters, um, and so I I did that for him and then slowly built up again. Do you think he's so nice to you now because he's making up for that? Maybe. It's all from that one session. <laughs> no. So then you end up auditioning, getting a lot of stuff, and working out here a lot. It took a bit. But still, but yeah. yeah. How long did it take? So you felt like, okay, I'm, I'm really doing this now. Like a year before it felt like. There was, like, I came out with, with my little pool of savings, you know, and by the time... I was working, I had run out of that. Um, did you do any day jobs or anything like that in between, <laughs> or did you just live off that savings so you were able to act full-time? I, I made jewelry and sold it on Etsy. You did? Mm -hmm. What kind of jewelry? You know, like necklaces and earrings and bracelets and a bunch of stuff. So then video games come along. After you got to L.A., what point of your career did you start working on video games and switching over from anime to doing stuff like that? Well, I did video games in Texas, actually. Oh, really? That yeah. far back? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Uh, I started doing video games, oh gosh, it's probably right around the same time that I started at Funimation. Maybe like at 20, was my, I did Blood Rain was my very yeah, first Blood video. Yeah, Blood Rain. Actually, no, that might be a lie. Deus Ex might be my first video game. Really? It, might, it was right around the same time. Um, but Blood Rain was my first, like, big thing that I did. But mocap hadn't really become a thing no, 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 at no, that no. point. So you mocap were just, was, like, like nothing doing, on the yeah, horizon yet. Yeah, you were still yet. doing just voiceovers. Yeah. Was it ever hard for you, because you started directing so young and so early on in your career, was it hard for you to work with directors? Was it like, uh, I kind of know what I'm doing already? No, it wasn't no. hard for you to take direction? Mm -mm. No, I, I honestly prefer acting to directing. Mm. Um, I like the freedom that you get as an actor. Uh, Is that why you don't really do any directing anymore? Because yeah. you just sort of prefer acting? I, I do, I prefer acting. I mean, if the opportunity came up, I don't know if I would say no to it. Mm. Um, if the timing worked out. But, uh, yeah, I just, I prefer getting to play the, you know, be in that moment. At what point then in this journey does Travis circle around to, besides, you know, you waiting two years to give him a job and... <laughs> Travis and I, so after that happened, we dated briefly. Mm -hmm. I say briefly, for like, we dated for like a year. Mm -hmm. But it was like casual, so like we would, you know, date... And then he would wait four days to call me. But he then, did admit that he handled that extremely poorly. Yeah, when he, he was did. here, he he was very. Now he knows you're going to watch it, so of course. Right, of but course. But he was very apologetic about. Yeah. But no, it was it was a total. It was a bad circle that both of us did because he would do that, and then by the time he called me, I would be like, whatever, man. Yeah. And then I wouldn't call him for another four days, and so we would go on a date, and then it would be like two weeks before we'd go on another date. And then it would happen again because we just keep doing that game with each other. Um, so, yeah, we dated for a year, but it was very casual. And then when did that end up coming back around to uh, where when he called you, you actually wanted to answer the phone? <laughs> we, start, <laughs> right? uh, we started talking again 
uh, over, I don't know how many years went by, but we ran into each other at a convention and it was like, oh, you're, you're cool. Okay. You're not a dick. Um, let's, let's become friends. So then we were friends. And so when I decided to move out to LA, uh, he said he would help me find a place to live and was very kind and telling me what areas were nice and what might be better for me and helped me look for an apartment when I came out and then... Did you get the idea at that point that he was interested in maybe giving it um, and, a better shot? Like he was flirting a little bit, yeah. but you know. Um, but who doesn't? Right. And then, <laughs> and then after I moved out, then it was we started dating again. Was he better this time around? Obviously, he was so much better him. this time, right? He had his own growing up to do, though. He was, like we he all end up doing. 21. I mean, no relationship at that, that age. age is good. Yeah, nobody. Yeah. You don't really have yourself figured out yet. So, nah. how are you going to? Both of us were, like I said, very much in the casual dating stage. Before. Yeah, you've yeah. been married seven years now. Jeez, Louise, seven years. Why are you acting like that's new information? <laughs> I just don't think about it. Seven years. Well, seven married... years. Seven years month. at the end of this month. Yeah. Jeez. Most of it good. All of it good. You guys. We don't have... get in fights. Yeah, you don't really fight that much. Well, no. part of it is he cowers immediately Dragon when he ice. knows that you're upset. Yeah, he talked about the ice queen when he was here. Did he? Yeah. He didn't, did he? We're going to fight? No, he didn't. Let's cut that out of the oh. episodes. <laughs> uh, the on. ice queen stare is real. Is it? I can tell you from knowing you all these years that there will be something I say and I will scan the room, tears of laughter across hundreds of people, but then I'll get to you and I'm like, and you'll just have this sort of look and then I leave. I'm plotting your demise in those moments. <laughs> yeah. If you catch you on the wrong day, you look like you're plotting a lot of people's demise. <laughs> Isn't that, it's when I'm tired probably is when I look the worst. Are you tired like all the, the time? Meanest. You're a dick. <laughs> So you guys end up working on a lot of stuff together, but you're yeah. both voice actors and you're both in LA trying to make it yeah. and you're trying to make a living doing it. That's what I mean by make it really. Cause when you're first starting out, success is based on, can I just do this and pay my bills and sort of keep going? A lot of people that end up becoming a spouse or, you know, in a relationship with someone that has the same career that they do, there's competition and there's, Sometimes a lot of friction and stuff. Right. Did you guys experience any of that? Honestly, no. And I think it came from in our past relationships. You know, I dated people that were very combative and very competitive in that way. And anytime you would get a job, you would deal with them being angry at you or mean to you for a few days mm. until they got over it that they hadn't booked it. It's it's a Jealousy. terrible it's a mm -hmm. terrible thing. Yeah. And it happens a lot when actors date actors. I'm sure. Yeah. Um, but I, I just never dealt with that with Travis and I, I never felt that way for Travis. Both of us were very supportive of any job that the other one got. A win for them was a win for both of you. I mean, yeah, ultimately. you're a partnership. Why wouldn't it be? Was there ever any jobs or any experiences where people were concerned about the fact that you guys were together and then working on a project together? There were several times that they didn't realize that we were together until we got to the job. Mm. Uh, when we were both on Halo, yeah, they had no idea we were together. We both because you still use your yeah. better last name, exactly. Right, yeah. Um, so yeah, we booked the job and then we showed up together holding hands, and they were like, "Oh, 
well, congratulations. That's great that you guys are dating. We're like, oh, by the way, yeah, we're married. Yeah, married they had no idea. Years. And then when we worked on Second Son, I think they were a little concerned because uh, Infamous Second Son, because mm-hmm. yeah. we were working on it with Troy, and I was, me and Troy were love interests in it, mm. which happens a lot. And then Travis was like the brother that I didn't get along with, which was really funny. The, so they were a little like, is this going to be weird? Is this going to yeah. work? And it's like, because oh, you had to do a sort of semi-intimate moment with Troy, who's like a brother to you. So that was like... Yeah, we had to kiss. Yeah, I remember asking Travis his side of that entire thing. If he was sitting there in the corner, uh, you know, just, just like texting. fuming. No, he stood off to the side pointing. He was pointing and laughing Yeah, he pointed. I mean, he literally, while we were filming, like, did that as a joke, but it was, yeah. No tongue. <laughs> ah, don't ever... <laughs> Like, after that first kiss, me and Troy, like, broke off and both of us took off running the opposite directions. Yeah. Yeah. Just going... (laughs) (laughs) Then you end up in a Naughty Dog game. Yeah. Uncharted 4. Yeah. Yeah. Uncharted 4. What was that like? A lot of people, that's sort of a big leap in their career to end up in a triple A game like that where you have a pretty significant part to the yeah. storyline and it was it was extra like because because we're such good friends with Troy and Ashley and they had just talked so much about what it was like to work with Neil and um I was just I wanted to be in that game so bad, you know. And again, when I was auditioning, gosh, when I was auditioning for Last of Us, I was just like, the the pain I felt in those auditions of just like, God, I hope I do a good job. I really, 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 really want to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's hard to not let your nerves get the better of you when you're when you're doing that. What was the attraction there? It's a lot of it because they're I'm known sorry. for. It's fine. A lot of it because they're known for telling great stories and yeah. really exploring characters, but the collaborative aspect there had to be attractive because yeah. I know you're somebody that wants to do heavy research and planning and figuring a character out mm-hmm. ahead of time and throughout the entire process of working on a character. And you want to be working with people that you can trust that they're going to make your performance the best that it can be. And, you know, sometimes you work on a project and, and maybe your director isn't somebody that you trust that well and like the whole time you're going what are they gonna do with this is this gonna come together okay you know and i am i'm hashtag blessed with that a lot to get to work with different developers that really really they care they care yeah and i that's happening more and more i haven't worked on a on a project in the last few years with anybody that didn't just fully commit themselves to their project you know i think there's a lot more at stake nowadays and i think that there's so much competition that and games are kind of expensive and they <laughs> yeah they know that in order to sort of carve out a space or really cut through the noise um it has to be a compelling piece of yeah. art and so people that are more willing to work and flesh out characters and storylines. Yeah. And now, you know, they see one game that has a compelling story and it makes them want to do something better and then it keeps growing from there. What kind of characters do you like to play the most? Gosh. Like, it's really fun to play villains. Mm -hmm. uh, But, like, anti-heroes, I think, are, are really fun. I always love playing characters that have, like, a romantic interest, too, though. 
It's I'm, because I'm, you're sort of a hopeless romantic at yeah. heart. Hopeless because of who you married, but yeah. a romantic nonetheless. I just love those stories so much. Yeah. I just love it. And then when you get to be part of that story, you know. Because that's the stuff you like to read, yeah. right? Yeah, porn. No. <laughs> no, that, where are we, what are we talking about? The characters that you've created yourself. Mm-hmm. Speaking of Critical Role and the two characters that you've played on that show yes. now for some time each, mm. um, when you're approaching, because it, it's obviously different than when someone hands you a script and says, this is the character, <clears throat> even if you're in a super collaborative and creative environment like Naughty Dog, where mm -hmm. you have a lot of say, and some of these other developers, where you end up having a lot of say about what that character is like, and yeah. you know, from its inception to when you know you rap on that game, there's a lot of conversation and collaboration there. Mm -hmm. In this situation, you make up someone for this home game, and immediately took to the RP side. Everybody that I've talked to about back in those days when you guys were just a home game said that you immediately had no problem going into the RP. Where for a lot of people, for role playing, can be a little awkward at first. It's weird. You're just sitting in your normal clothes around a table. There's no right. cameras. Why do you think you you took to that so so quickly? Uh, because I played a lot of role playing games on computer. You think that was a big part of it? I fully think that's why. I, you know, because my favorite games were Mass Effect and Dragon mm -hmm. Age, right? Mm -hmm. And all the King's Quest games. I mean, all those things growing up. And so I was used to. You walk into a scenario, and these are your dialogue options, and you know this has this effect, right? Yeah. So I just approached it like I was I would do in a video game, and that's why it it worked. It worked great. It worked out. What was important to you about Vex? What was important to me? Well, what was important to you? What were her characteristics that you felt like? Ah, as the thing became more serious, right. and it was like this is going to be a fully fleshed out character. What were the important sort of temples for you of going like, ah, I kind of want her to be, obviously you said you wanted her to be hot, you know, when you were talking obviously. about. Obviously. Yeah, but I mean, personality wise. I wanted her to be strong mm -hmm. and snarky and confident and hot. And really that was pretty much it when we started. Were those the characteristics you identified with in in characters that you played in video games? Yeah, that that's how those were like the options that I would always choose. Like yeah. like I said, the antihero. I wanted that like renegade sort of option where, you know, you say something shitty but you do the right thing. Mm -hmm. You know, that's what I wanted her to be like. Um, and I didn't even realize like. It's it's so funny because when we were first filming those opening credits, like the the ones where it was like the stop. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and I was trying to think, everyone was like, come up with something that you would do for your character, like a pose or something you can do. And I was like, well, maybe I could have like a bag of coins or I can flip a coin or something. Which I hadn't even registered that she was greedy until we really started playing on the stream. But mm -hmm. at that point I was like, well, I do like money in the game, so maybe I'll just, I'll do something with coins. And then it wasn't until we like started playing more and more that I was like, oh shit, she's a greedy little bitch. Interesting. But I love it. Yeah. So you sort of realized that. That is about something her. that yeah, that grew as we were playing more and more and more. Yeah. And then you knew you wanted to have a romantic interest. No. Because that's your That's MO. what we do. Yeah, no. I had no idea. Like I don't think I ever realized that you could have anything like that in a D and D game. Really? Uh, yeah, no, that didn't yeah. enter enter my brain at all. Not until 
Liam, like, did the first initiation. Vex told Keyleth he was in love with her. I mean, like, I was blown away that that was an option, that yeah. that was something you could do. It yeah. hadn't registered in my brain. And then after that, you were like, I must have this. No, even then. I don't know how it happened with Vex and Percy. I really don't. Fast forward, you're in a bathtub. Fast forward. Naked Most time, lots of Most iconic scene of campaign one. Man. Bathing with Percy. Liam was so pissed. Why? About that moment. Because he had this really great conversation that oh, like and then fucked you... it all with coming up out of the bathtub. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's not the first time. <laughs> So you play that character for years. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. you level up and you experience all of the sort of tangible characteristics and you know, you get more uh spells and skills and shit like that that mm -hmm. you end up getting. But how playing a character over that long amount of time, how do you still create arcs and and bring out more of their personality doesn't it feel like after two years you sort of explored everything you can how do you how do you, do you feel keep it like alive? after two years of being you that you've explored every aspect of yourself i felt that way around four <laughs> i felt that way around four years old and i've felt that way since <laughs> no i feel like no I but that's like, an interesting yeah, perspective it's yeah. just it's just your person right and yeah hey, there's always something new that's why if somebody says this is out of character that's not something you would do I don't believe that because I do spontaneous things that somebody wouldn't expect, you yeah. know? And it just, all it does is introduce a different aspect of myself and go, oh my God, I can do that. So you, you know? leave room for growth too. Yeah. You never lock it off and say, I think this is about as far as this character is going to go. No. Because you no. really don't have a choice when you're in a campaign where the story is just outside keeps, of your hands. Yeah. Exactly. But that's the thing. When the, when the story is outside of your hands, then your only option is to react to that mm -hmm. and grow because of that. Mm. How do you think role-playing and improv and all the stuff that you end up having to use as a skill on the show has grown over the last few years for you? I mean, massively. You I've, think quicker, you, yeah. have to, you have to make decisions super fast. It's much easier to, to react in character when you're, you know. But, you know, that's, I don't know, that might be a lie. What because that was always one of my favorite things anyway about theater or anything is, is the reaction. You know, so I know a lot of actors that just, it's that joke of bullshit, bullshit, my line, bullshit, bullshit, my line. Mm -hmm. And they don't ever have anything going on outside of, this is my motivation and this is why I'm doing something. Mm. And they don't think about you know, we're having a conversation and you've got to react to that. If you do something spontaneous, I'm going to do something to react to, to that. React it's going to, to change that. my performance. Right. And if it doesn't change your performance, then you're doing it wrong. Yeah. In my opinion. Is there anything... In my opinion. That's no, I understand yeah. what you're saying. Is there anything or anywhere that you wanted Vex to go that you weren't able to? Is there anything with that character that you, you felt was unexplored by the end of that story? Mm. I don't think so. Um, no, because he gave us that wonderful... Epilogue. Yeah, to go, you know, where would you go with this? Where would life take them? Yeah. How hard was it for you to say goodbye to that character? Oh, that was hard. Yeah. It was, it was weird because there was an excitement about starting something new, but I still miss her. I, I still find myself, you know, fighting a reaction 
that would be more Vex than it is Jester. So then it comes time to create an all new character. What was different this time about creating that one versus the first one? Because you obviously knew the game better. Right. You had all these years of experience. I'm still shit at creating a character that is like thinking about the mechanics of the game. So I'm bad at that. As far as what you pick out for all of your utilities and Yeah, stuff? just terrible. Because I think about it in terms of RP. And mm. so I'm like, ooh, yeah, I'm going to have this spell or I'm going to like have this cool weapon. That is just shit, really, when you have it in the game. There's like no good reason for it. But it makes sense in the RP element for right. the character for you. So to you, that's a more important choice. Yes, until I'm in combat and I'm like, <laughs> Yeah, why Yeah, and I'm choose? watching like Marisha like totally like kicking so much ass with all of her monk skills and I'm like, what did I do? But my candy but, came. But I have a lollipop. <laughs> yeah. When you talk about backstories, are you the type of actor, because a lot of people, a lot of people do this, where if you don't know the history, the genesis, the backstory of a character that someone hands you in a script, is that something that you think about? Do you, is it important for you as an actor to know this is where this person came from, this is what their ideals are, this is sort of what their moral center right. is, or is that something that mainly you just think about when you're creating your own character? No, that, I mean, depending on how long I'm going to be with a character, like, I, I don't necessarily do that for everything, mm -hmm. but, um, but for the the projects that you're going to be working on for a long time. I certainly like to to know all of those things. But oftentimes with an audition or something like that, you just go in and I want to know where I'm coming from, at least, you know. That's like, the context that you feel like makes you most comfortable and ready to play that, yeah. to play that character. Yeah. But it sounds like you have fun writing a backstory yeah. for the characters that you've created yourself. Yeah, it's it's more intimidating to do it for a character character that somebody else created. You know, mm -hmm. like when when we were working on Uncharted, and Neil he <laughs> called me on the phone, and he's like, "Okay, let's talk about let's talk about Nadine," and uh, he's like, "What are her favorite? What's her favorite band? What's her favorite song? Hmm. You know, what does she like to do for hobbies?" And like that stuff, I very rarely think about mm -hmm. for any. Honestly, the only other characters I've ever done that for have been for this for because critical role, yeah. We make our playlists mm -hmm, and stuff, you know, mm -hmm. and it's like, it's so weird to think about what would Nadine do when she's just sitting at home, yeah. you know, and it opens up this whole different aspect of the character. Like yeah. you realize, oh, you're not just like this badass that just kicks butt. You, you have a life. Yeah. What is that life? What does it look like? What does it sound like? Yeah. What do you want to know before you either sit at the table that first day or you show up on set that first day? What are the most important things for you? Go like, I, I can figure some of this stuff out later, but I, I want to have this. Because for a lot of actors, it's those that question can be answered very differently. Yeah. What are those tenets for you? Um, like... You don't like to play a damsel in distress, for instance. No, no, I don't. So for you, an important thing is that it not be someone that constantly has to be rescued or right. lean on a man or another character or et cetera, et cetera, to be... It's not that you only play independent characters, but I know that that's right. something that's important to you. I have this weird tendency, though, to, um, to read dialogue and read a scene 
from a perspective that it's not a damsel in distress. So, mm. like, a lot of times if, uh, which gets me in trouble, like, if I'm reading a book and the character's lame or something like that, I'll read it in my head that she's not lame. Like, she's saying all these stupid things, but sarcastically. You'll transform it in your mind. Yeah, and then yeah. when I realize, oh, oh, they were really just a damsel in distress. Here I thought they were really badass this whole time. Um, so, yeah, I, t I tend to approach it from that angle anyway. Yeah. Um, but it's always nice when the creators support that. Right. Yeah. Interactive entertainment is obviously a lot different than it was 10 years ago when you moved out here. True, Brian. True Very statement. true. Um, there's a lot of conversation in the last few years about women's roles in interactive entertainment. It seems like things are shifting. It seems like the conversation is changing. Like there's a, not a lot of characters that you find now in a leading role that are a damsel in distress no, or really that not. fit those tropes. Yeah, and there's there's a, a concerted effort to make sure it's not like that, mm. you know? Like I'll be in a session and they'll say, what can we do, how can we change this line to make her not seem weak? Yeah. You know, we don't want it to be that. We want her to be self-reliant. Is it, does it seem like that was not really a part of the conversation when you were first starting out? That wasn't because, even in the thought process when I first started. Yeah. Is it refreshing for you as an actor that also happens to be a woman that that is progressing and it's changing? It's opening up better roles for you. It's opening up better roles for a lot of other female actors. Yeah. I mean, um, fingers crossed I won't have to do, you know, the embarrassing sessions anymore that... I had to do a lot. I, it's a, when you were it's, younger. It's, when I was, you know. Yeah. Even not so, like, so, and I, I'm pretty sure I've told you this story before, but I'm going to say it Tell again. Tell me again. When the day that Infamous First Light came out, mm -hmm. which was... Um, the DLC was, for Infamous Second Yeah, Sun. and I was yeah. so proud of it because mm -hmm. Fetch was such an awesome character and such a strong character, and she took her circumstances and, and used them to her advantage. Um, and I was really proud of it and proud of her strength. And I had a recording session that day, and I showed up, I didn't know what it was for, and I showed up and I walked in the door and they said, okay, so you're gonna be playing hooker number three, and if you could just, you know, make some noises like, you know, you're having sex, the, the, the player character's gonna walk over, past this door and they're gonna hear sex. On the and inside that and was, I was just you. Like, and it was just like this moment of, oh, yeah. We're not there yet. We're not there yet. Because you're, you're on the same day that you're celebrating this character that is strong and, and you know, independent and yeah. against a lot of those tropes. And then... And what's crazy Hooker is three. I've played so many voices of hookers in the past. You know, you don't even think about it. It's just... It's, it's in games so much. Yeah. Um, yeah, that it had never crossed my mind in the past that, oh, hmm, when I'm yeah. doing that. And yeah. that was the first time it went... I don't want to. I don't want to do this. You know, I still did it. But you don't take roles like that anymore. Right? Not if they tell me what it's gonna be. And now, you know, if I if I walked in and they would be like, "You're playing a hooker," I'd be like, "Am I? Yeah. Am I? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I'm a mom. I can't play a hooker anymore." Yeah. Uh, plot twist, guys. This hooker is about to kill everyone. <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, I actually that I have to day throw away my script for Murder Hookers Three. 
that day I did play disinterested hooker because I refused to sound like I was having. A good Wait, time. they changed it to. I just all the lines that I did. Hooker? They were like, "It's funny if you're if you're playing it like that, we're okay with it," because I was not about to actually sound like I was having sex. Yay! I yeah. love this. Oh, that feels so good. Wow, you're like sarcastic hooker. Yeah, so that's what I did. More, please. <laughs> wow, I hope this goes on forever. You really know what you're doing. That's amazing. Is your name actually John? <laughs> yeah. People have conversations a lot about tolerance, mm -hmm. and they say tolerance is, you know, the key to harmony and et cetera, et cetera, being tolerant of all kinds of different types of people. You're somebody that's, that has always chosen to transcend tolerance towards love and acceptance. Where does that come from for you? If you if I look at your group of friends and I look at the people that you're closest to, there are several different types of people mixed into there. Yeah. And you you seem to be a lot more accepting of people and of different types of personalities. Where where do you think that comes from? Fuck, I don't know. You know, I mean, my mom was always big on um, on just empathy and making sure that we understood where other people were coming from mm. um, and anytime you know even just walking down the street and seeing like a homeless person on the street and asking for money um, it was never just this is just a you know person sitting on the street like there's a lot of people that just walk by and it was always who is that person where did they come from why why are they doing what they do and what can you do to help them mm. um, and that was when I was even a kid. And then, um, you know, we all go through different things in life that make you realize different things. You know, my sister is a lesbian and mm -hmm. she came out very early. And um, and it, it I was, I don't even know, I was 10 or 12 when she okay. came out. Yeah. Um, so she was a teenager. Yeah, she was yeah. a teenager. And I saw that it was very hard for her um, and saw what she was going through. And there was never a part of me that was like, you know, she needs to change or that needs to be different. It was always, why aren't, isn't anybody else seeing that? And why are people being mean to her for this? Or why, you know, why can't she be happy? Because you knew her. Why isn't she allowed to be happy? That doesn't make sense. Yeah, because her sexuality is just a small part of what makes her her. And exactly. you saw all those other parts. So to you, that sort of prejudice didn't make sense. It doesn't, none of it makes sense. <laughs> I always think that, you know, that racism or bigotry or anything like that is a is a product of environment, mm -hmm. and the only way that people are going to overcome that is exposure. Yeah, because anybody that's around different cultures and different races and different sexualities, anybody that's around that a lot realizes, oh, everybody's just human. Yeah, you're not going to keep that prejudice if you are around it yeah. and you see it. Yeah, um, and if you're in a little bubble of this environment, then maybe that's why you still feel that way. And, mm. you know, kids that are brought up in a, in a, in a racist environment, maybe that's why all they need to do is, is get away from it. Is actually experience more of what's in the world yeah. and they'll, they'll have. And it's a know. horrible thing that if, if you're in that bubble and you never see outside of that bubble, you don't even know. It's, it's, it's so sad. Was it really hard to watch your sister go through a lot of that sort of, you know, treatment and, because your family was accepting of it, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. Uh, they they were very quickly accepting of it, but yeah. it was a shock. Yeah. I was never shocked by it. Yeah. But 
you know. Your sisters, you understood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it, it was so funny when she came out, you know, and my dad was like, it's a phase. Oh, really? And my mom was like, I just don't know what's going on. And I remember at, like, age 10 going to my mom and going, you know, Jenny's talked about boys that were cute before. Maybe she's bi. <laughs> and my mom was like, well, I have to She's like, you're not making me feel better yeah. right now. Um, yeah, it was just, it's just whatever to me. I was yeah. just like, whatever. Um, yeah, they they over, you know, came that, that uh, yeah. shock, I guess, very quickly. Having a sister going through that in high school years. It was hard for her in high school. Yeah. Just, yeah, I can imagine. And I was a few years younger than her, but, you know, I saw... Um, friendships come and go for her because of that. Did you guys become closer because of that and because of her kind of going through that? Or do you guys seem to always have been close? Yeah, right? we just, I, it might have been the moving around. I don't know. We just always got along so well. I mean, you know, we fought because we were sisters. Of course. Like you do. You're going to. Yeah. She was always so peaceful and I was the kid that would be like, I would hold her down mm -hmm. even though I was three years mm -hmm. younger and I would try to beat her up. Or like we'd be in the back seat and I would be like, and then go, ow, mom, Jenny's hitting me. Like, that's so Did you so hear that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was me. That was that shithead. Cheers. Brother. You gotta drink more. I feel like I'm drinking so much. Well. Ah. It's good, isn't it? It is. It's really good. How old do you think Ronan, your son, will be when he first says... Mama. Those magic no, three words to you that every Where are mother. Where you gonna go with this? That every mother wants to hear their child say, which is, "I love football." Oh God! It's already on TV, and he's already watching it. Does he focus? Does it look like is Travis watching him watch the TV when the Cowboys are on, going? Connection. Let's no, because connection here. When it's on TV, Travis doesn't see anything other than the television. So. Like, he probably doesn't even know his son's in the room. Mm -hmm. That's so shitty. That's a lie. That's a total That's lie. That's a total <laughs> lie. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm censor no, barring yeah, the fuck out of yeah, that. Yeah, no, that's a total lie. Um, no, he, like, doesn't know what it is yet, but, you know, there's, like, movement and stuff, so he'll be in his little, like, play mat, and you can move him any direction, and he's still, like... Yeah. Yeah. Trying to find the TV. Mm-hmm. He's gonna be raised on a tablet. He's got so many cowboys clothes already. I know. He's got cowboy shoes, cowboy's hat. It's ridiculous. My sister bought him a Chiefs onesie. My family's a Chiefs family. Yeah, but they have to know that there's no conversion that's going to happen there. It'll just be on a Chiefs day he wears the Chiefs stuff. On a Cowboys day he wears the Cowboys stuff. Travis, a lot of people know this, but his back is completely covered in a giant Cowboys, Cowboys star. star. Yeah, and... Um, uh, also an Emmett Smith signature. I don't know. Yeah, I was trying to think of something cowboysy, and I couldn't even. He hasn't been a player for twenty years. Fuck, you know, you're a mom now. I'm a mom. About nine weeks into. Ten like, weeks ten today, weeks bitch. Today, yeah. really? How does it feel? Is to it overwhelming? Is it? Um, it's. Is it exciting? Is it all of those things? It's all of that. It's all of that. Travis used the word terrifying. Do you feel the same way? No. You don't? No, I don't feel terrified. You obviously took to it quite naturally. Um, don't most moms? Don't most parents? I don't know. Do I they? think so. I think there's still some, there's definitely still some panic. There's a shock for people like us that are 
not older, but you know, we're older than our parents were when they started having kids. Oh yeah. You're set in your ways a little bit. Uh, okay, is it that, a shock to the system? That, in that panic way? is real. That because okay. even when I was just you know getting bigger and getting bigger, it was like we are really comfortable doing what we do. You know, we're used to even just coming here and and playing until who knows when. And if when it ends, it ends. Then you go home. Who cares? Yeah. And all of a sudden, when he's out and it's like I can't just play until eternity. I, I have he needs to be fed. Yeah. What do I do? Yeah. And that's life now. Just constantly going. When did he last eat? Because he's surviving based on what I provide for him. It's yeah. crazy. What is, are some of the most important things that you want him to grow up knowing about oh. the world? Oh my God. Like what are the? Because you have to. Obviously, you guys are thinking about that stuff. You're 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 in that parent panic, but you're also in that. I want to raise this kid. It's a new world compared to the I early know. '80s when we were born and growing up. Is it sad that up. I just want him to know love and to want him to be happy? That's not sad. And to be a good person. All I want is for him to, to be a good human, mm. and a happy human. Thankfully, he has Travis as an example. Right, because he'd be fucked if it was just me. <laughs> <laughs> When I talked to Travis, we talked about him losing his dad uh, at a young age. Yeah. Now he's a father himself. You guys have this beautiful boy. Yeah. He has taken to it so naturally. How cool is that for you to see? It's so wonderful. He's a really good dad already. He is. Yeah. yeah. More? You want more already? Are you, you one of those dick. people that you immediately was like... Barbara Walters? Yeah, I know. Jackass. I know. Um, do you, do, did you grow up wanting a lot of kids, or did you grow no. up wanting, like, one kid, or...? Um, I always thought to, um, just because I we had two in our family, but then the whole time Travis and I have been married has just kind of been like, just the one, right? Probably just the one. Yeah. So we probably just have the one. I mean, who knows? In three years, I might change my mind. But you might change your mind. Yeah. Is stability? He's a really good dad, Brian. He's a great dad. No, I, that's why I'm saying he took to it so naturally, I know. and I know that he had a great example. He did. And we talked about that, even though that was sort of cut short. He is somebody that sort of raised his younger brother as well, and you know, like had to take care of a lot of things. Yeah. So it makes sense that he would take to it naturally. Yeah. Um, is stability and consistency something that you feel like you want to have in the structure of your life because you guys moved around so much and things were a little, it was hard for you to make friends and everything. And I know we're in a yeah. business that's very fluid and do you think about that? Honestly, I don't think it hurt me um, having that sort of environment growing up. I feel like I didn't think anything of it, you know, mm. when we would move from one place to another. Um, and I think it probably, if anything, helped me be exposed, like I said, to yeah. a lot of different types of people. Mm -hmm. um, no, I mean, obviously stability with us, yes. I always want to be there for him and, and everything, but I, I think seeing the world is a good thing. Thanks for coming on. Oh my God, are we done? We're I done. So. I said we'll go until the tears come. You fuck. And then I've gotten what I've wanted out of her. <laughs> Thank you for joining me. Thanks, Brian. I think we should finish these though. Just chug it? 
You want to? No, I don't want to chug it. I got it. so excited. <laughs> I got so Should I have gotten a little sippy straw? I got to feed the baby. I got to feed the baby after I've drank. And the this has gone away. It's not going to be like, he's not going to drink while I'm drinking. Thanks again for listening. If you want to support our show, you can subscribe on iTunes and leave us a rating or review if you'd like. Until next time, don't forget to love each other.